Welcome to Talking Mopars, episode number 105. On today's show, we have a few project cars of the week. We have a high-performance part. We have some listener voice messages. And to close out the show, I'm going to talk about what I'm up to this winter as far as my projects go and some things to expect from the podcast. Slight changes, nothing crazy, but we're going to talk about it right here today. So without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth, and I'm your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter, and this is Talking Mopars. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. All right, folks, we have a handful of projects to go over today. I picked four that were under $10,000, and I picked one just because it was interesting and I thought it would be fun to talk about. So let's not waste any time. Let's get right into it. Here is the first ad. 1970 Plymouth Roadrunner RM23 Roller. Looks to have been a race car all its life and possibly an old super stock car, as the work looks similar to a couple I have seen that were still racing in original condition. Car was originally Lemon Twist Yellow with 383 Auto, Floor Shift, Buckets, and Rally Dash. All of that is gone. What you see is all that I have. Does need floors and quarter work. Has a smaller tub in it, back half 2x3 with large leaf springs. Cage work looks very nice and driver's side has a swing out bar. Build you a cheap Joe Dirt Superbird or put it back as a race or streetcar. Price is 5000 firm, bill of sale only, as Georgia doesn't issue titles on pre-86 vehicles. Alright folks, this ad triggered me. Why did it trigger me? It triggered me because he said Joe Dirt and Superbird in the same ad. You know me. I love ratty muscle cars. I love old school drag cars. I love Joe Dirt and I love wing cars. So I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, gosh, this this Roadrunner is haggard, but it is a real Roadrunner. It needs all sorts of metal work and it's missing a lot of parts. But the prospect of turning it into a ratty Superbird race car, like ratty Superbird nostalgic drag car, really, really piqued my interest. So I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, okay, it needs all sorts of body work. I'm looking at the passenger side quarter panel and it's got some rot through. I'm looking at the inside. It needs some updated tin work. The cage does look all right. Um, it definitely has had some drag racing history. It's got a, uh, trunk that looks like it was a pin-on trunk. The floor needs to be redone. The headliner is obviously trashed and the whole engine bay is gutted. It doesn't even have inner fenders. Um, the thing needs a ton of work. It does have the core support in it. It looks like it's in pretty good condition. So this is actually a great platform for a Superbird clone in my opinion, like a drag car clone. That's that's what I see when I look at this thing for $5,000. You know, $5,000 doesn't get you much in the Mopar world these days. So if if this were me, I would I would go full fiberglass front clip, Superbird front clip. I don't know how I would do it. You know, I don't know if it would be one piece or what, like a, a tilt Superbird front end. That would be pretty awesome. Um, I don't know, though. The front end might be too long to be able to pull that off because the nose cone might hit the ground. So that might be a horrible idea. But um, I do like the idea of getting this thing tubbed out. It, it's like I said, it's missing so many parts, but 
you know, it is a real Roadrunner. And this is something where if you asked me if it was worth restoring back to original condition, I would probably say no. But if you want a ratty muscle car, old school drag car type project to get back on the road, I think this would be good. I think it would be a cool ratty drag car. Um, even if you didn't go the wing car route like I would try to do. If I did go the wing car clone route, I definitely would get all fiberglass body panels, um, as many as I could get. And basically the skeleton of the car would be steel still. So I, I might even go fiberglass uh, doors too. I was just thinking about that. Maybe I'll keep the steel doors, but nah, while we're at it, why don't we just go as much fiberglass as we can on this thing. We'll keep the roof and the pillars steel and we'll keep the quarters steel. Um, but I, I would... I would go full race on this thing. I'd probably get the dash in it just because um, I, I, I really like the 1970 Roadrunner dashboards. And this one, it's just got the dash frame. So I would probably get the dash back together, make it a little bit, you know, uh, period correct, you know, <laughs> sun tack, you know, things like that. I just love ratty old drag cars. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I know that they have history on the track. I don't know exactly what it is but they're just cool. And, you know, for $5,000, you know, you're pretty much just buying a shell. Let's be honest here. And that seems crazy to a lot of people. I know a lot of people that have gotten cars for killer deals. So when I'm looking at this thing for $5,000, I think of a guy like Johnny Mopar that's had, you know, chargers for a hundred bucks, 300 bucks free, you know, and I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> it needs some help. And it also, it actually really, opens my mind more to the 72 satellite I was telling you guys about on the last podcast that has a roll cage in it for 900 bucks. I'm really starting to think about that car. Although the 72 cannot be a Superbird clone, it still would make a cool old, you know, ratty drag car. So looking at this thing, it motivates me even more to go try to make a deal with the uh, lady that's got the $900 72 satellite. You know what I mean? But this thing definitely needs... It needs two quarters easily. Um, I would get a pin on fiberglass trunk, fiberglass doors, fiberglass front clip, take care of all the tin work. And then heck, let's put a big wing and a nose cone on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Why not? Um, there are on Instagram, at least one or two ratty wing cars that I've seen um, that I really like. And when I see those cars, I, you're just not going to see something like that on the road. You have a better chance of seeing a restored or survivor quality wing car than you do a ratty wing car, in my opinion. <laughs> but all the ones I've ever seen around here were in pretty good shape. You know, definitely not what I would consider ratty. But for $5,000, I think this is a pretty decent buy. Of course, you got to get it for cheaper or at least try to. <laughs> um, he says firm, but we all know how that goes. <laughs> Go there with $4,999 and see if he doesn't sell it to you. <laughs> but uh, I think it's got potential. And um, that's pretty much all I'm going to say about this thing. Um, it was posted, geez, almost a month ago. 24 days old is this ad. So, you know, it hasn't had any bites. And there's probably a good reason for it. When you get there in person, it probably looks a lot worse in person. But the from the pictures, to me, it looks worth... It looks worth buying from a project car standpoint if you're not interested in doing a full rotisserie restoration. I hope you understand what I'm saying, but we've got a couple other projects to go over, so I'm going to end it there. That was the 1970 Plymouth Roadrunner Roller X Drag Car for $5,000 in Gainesville, Georgia. All right, my friends. Up next, we have, of course, 
a van. <laughs> I've been seeing a lot of vans pop up recently on Craigslist, and some of them are in really good condition. And this is one of those situations where I think this van deserves a chance to be reinvigorated. You know, I think this has great boogie van potential. I mean, it is a boogie van, but it needs some custom touches because it's basically a cargo van. The thing's stripped. So let's get into this ad. 1975 B200, $6,200 right outside of Sacramento. I recently purchased this B200 shorty van to build out as a classic boogie, but plans have changed. This van was purchased from a guy in Southern California that apparently got it from an old timer out in the desert. Super straight, minimal surface rust, clean title, current registration, runs and drives. This is the perfect start to the boogie van of your dreams. It's a 1975 and that means pre-smog here in California. 50,000 something on the odometer, but unsure if it's been rolled over. We'll install front seats, but they are pretty trashed. Also comes with another captain's chair and folding bench slash bed. 1975 Dodge Tradesman B200 360 motor automatic transmission new fuel tank. Pretty firm on price. If you want to haggle, bring cash and we can talk. No trades. Free delivery within 200 miles with my AAA. Call or text. Title status is clean. All right, guys. Unlike a lot of vans that I've been seeing, this one is definitely really clean. You can definitely tell that it's a Southern California van. Based on these pictures alone, there is zero rot. I don't see any cancerous rust. It looks really clean and it looks like the perfect foundation for a boogie van project. This thing is so I wish mine was this clean. <laughs> I mean, I don't see any major body damage. I don't see any visible rust. Um, the first complaint I have right off the bat, though, is it does have a sunroof um, in the front part of the van that has been silicone shut. It looks like it has 80 pounds of silicone all over it. So the sunroof issue would have to be addressed. It does have a Venturi vent. So I'm sure like with these old vans, if you get them, I would definitely reseal any holes that have been cut in that roof. Um, so the Venturi vent, it looks to be in great condition. So I would probably keep that, but reseal it. Uh, the sunroof, you could probably get that to sit a little cleaner. Um, you would have to take a closer look at it, but just based on what I see, I, I don't like it. And judging by all the silicone, it definitely has leaked, but the bumper on this van, the front bumper is clean. The grill looks pretty clean aside from maybe some cracks. Uh, the turn signal lenses look clean. Um, the side markers are a little bit faded, but it's been out in the California desert. You know what I mean? But this thing is, I mean, it's solid. I really don't even see any major dents or anything looking at the front end. Um, I mean, I can't even, you know, I said this grill is cracked, but I really don't see any cracks. <laughs> I'm really impressed with the shape of this van. Um, like I said, the front bumper is straight as an arrow. Um, everything looks like it lines up pretty good as far as the hood and the fenders uh, with the bumper. The bumper looks like it maybe can come over to the driver's side, uh, maybe, maybe half an inch, but nothing crazy. I'm looking at a side shot down the side of this van and it is straight. Driver side of the van looks just as straight as the passenger side. It's got some, um, it's actually got the same wheels that my uncle had put on my dad's old van after one of the Kregers got destroyed. So for me, it brings up a little nostalgia. Uh, I definitely don't like these wheels. Um, it definitely needs some Kregers or some Keystones or even some steelies with some dog dishes on it, like widened steelies in the back would look pretty cool. Um, slotted mags, you know, the 
options for aftermarket wheels for this thing. You know, give it that day two boogeyman look. Um, you got a lot. You got a lot of choices. So I, I actually wouldn't even mind this thing on some widened uh, rallies, like 15 by 10s in the in the back, and then 15 by 8s in the front. I think that would look pretty cool. Um, but this thing is a great platform to start. I'm looking at some of the pillars and around the windshield. I don't see any rust at all. This thing is in amazing shape. Um, it's got uh, the barn doors in the back with pop-out rear windows that have uh, louvers. So that's pretty cool. It does need a driver's side tail light lens, but I mean, I've seen those on the internet for pretty cheap on eBay and stuff. <laughs> Again, this van is straight. Um, it looks like there's a little dent in the rear bumper, no big deal. So the rear bumper is not as in good of shape as the front, but it's solid. I'm looking at the inside of the van now, and unlike mine, there is no scale rust like mine has. Mine has rust where if you ran your hand across the roof, um, rust flakes would fall down. This thing is, I mean, as far as vans go and the age of this thing, it's immaculate. <laughs> um, I'm really impressed. Uh, the doghouse has a um, one of those custom wooden drink holders on top. So it's got like that custom um, console basically on top of the doghouse. And I can see the inside of the side doors and they look clean too. Um, a little surface rust on the floor, nothing crazy. Um, the dash looks really good. Um, yeah, I, I like everything I'm seeing about this van. Under the hood doesn't look too bad. It's definitely a, a desert car or desert van. You can definitely tell. Um, it reminds me a lot of mine, actually. Um, I'm looking at the, uh, overhead shot of the sunroof in this thing. <laughs> the amount of silicone that these guys put on this sunroof is crazy. So that definitely needs to be addressed. Um, from the inside, uh, looking at the sunroof from down below, it is just in an awful place. Um, they should have brought it back a little bit, but nothing that can't be fixed. But my overall impression of this van, if you're looking for a boogie van, you know, getting something out of the desert dry climate that doesn't have any rod on it is ideal because it's really hard to find parts for these things. I know that because I'm having a problem finding a side door for mine that's clean, that doesn't have a window in it. I'm getting to the point where I might as well just buy a scrap door and just cut the bottom off because my door is rotting on the bottom side. Um, but this thing... It's got amazing potential for a boogie van. It's begging for some porthole windows and some side pipes and some shag interior. So if you're looking for a van, you know, look down in the, you know, Arizona, California, um, stay out of the rust belt. I haven't really seen too many clean vans unless their survivors come from that area. And usually those are going for a lot of money. Um, but this thing is clean for 6,200 bucks. If, I had the cash and I didn't have my van, I would try to scoop this thing up. That's how clean this is. Um, some of you are out there going, $6,200 for a van? Are you out of your mind? Uh, hey, listen to me right now. These vans are not going to get any cheaper, especially ones that are in as good a condition as this one. So, you know, you see deals like these jump on them. If I had a bunch of spare money to throw around, I would probably start scooping up vans and trucks clean ones, um, that I can get for good deals and flipping them. <laughs> you know, my buddy, Mike coffee, he's always encouraging me to start flipping and I, gosh, I'm, I'm right there. 
I, I just need to build up my flip fund a little bit more. Um, because that's a great way to fund other projects is by flipping other Mopars. The problem with me is I know that I would fall in love with some of them. That's the problem. But um, coming from a, a strictly profit point of view, if you could get this thing for a little bit cheaper, spruce it up a little bit. I mean, I've seen vans that were nowhere near this clean with just some wheels, some shoddy interior for like eight or nine grand. It's insane. But, um, it, you know, it's also unfortunate because for a guy like me who loves these vans and wants to save them all, you know, the prices are coming up and it's not making it any easier on someone like me to go get a cheap van. Cause you can hear stories all the, I mean, you hear stories all the time about cheap chargers, cheap challengers back when the cars were cheap and you know, the vans and trucks were no different. You could get these vans and trucks for pennies on the dollar, you know, in the nineties. So, and even in the early two thousands, but the van craze is coming back. You know, I know a lot of people laugh at that, but I promise you in the years to come, all these clean vans that people are passing up on, you're going to regret not buying them if for nothing else to flip. So that's my opinion on this van. You definitely don't see them this clean. So, you know, if you're in the market for a van, go check it out. Next up, we have a little red express. This one is also a pretty big project, but I thought it was worthy of sharing here because I've seen a lot of these ratty little reds go for a lot more money than this. So let's check out this ad. 1978 little red truck, $9,200, Garden City, Michigan. Original 1978 Dodge, garage kept, needs love. Uncle passed, needs a new home. I have plenty of pictures. No rust, body is clean, one dent, top of passenger head area. Title status is missing. All right, so my initial impression of this little red is that it would be a great project. It is close to $10,000, so hopefully there's a little bit of room to work there. <laughs> hopefully a lot of room, let's be honest. But it's pretty solid. Um, it is missing uh, the passenger side mirror. The logos on the door are completely gone. You can kind of see where the logo used to be. Um, you kind of can see the little silhouette. Uh, the truck definitely has potential. It does have a sizable dent on the roof on the passenger side, but nothing that can't be fixed. You could probably pop that out pretty easily. Um, the wood is in decent condition. None of it's missing from what I see. Um, it could be restained or refinished. Uh, the stacks are gone. That's a problem. So we need to find stacks. It does have the original wheels on it. Um, it's got a canopy on it, which is kind of stupid. So that would have to go. Um, one of the vent windows is missing. It just, you know, this truck, I mean, even the tailgate is in pretty good condition, um, with the wood and the logos present back there. Um, rear bumper has a slight dent, uh, tail light lenses look really good. Um, really bad picture of the engine, but I don't see just from what I see, it's on the driver's side. So you can see the exhaust manifold about half of the air cleaner. Um, it looks complete. It looks like everything's there. I don't see a hack job of wiring, um, which is usually apparent right here on that driver's side fender. I always see these things with a rat's nest of wiring just laying right on top of that fender. Um, it does have all the air intake um, ducting that I often see missing on these old projects. Uh, the grill looks in pretty good condition. A couple dents here and there. Nothing crazy. It's actually in really good condition 
front bumper looks pretty solid. Um, even the bed, the inside of the bed, it's got a rubber mat on the floor, so you really can't see what condition the wood is in. So I'm assuming it needs to be replaced. But the actual bed area, like as far as the sides and the um, front part towards the cab, all look in pretty good condition considering the age of the truck. Um, no major dents that I can see on the body other than on the roof that we talked about earlier. The interior does not have the buddy buckets, which is a shame. So you'd have to hunt those down. It does have the tough wheel. Um, I can't see the floor in this thing. It's got a rubber mat on the driver's side and you really can't see the passenger side. It's pretty dark over there. But um, if the floor is anything like the rest of what the metal looks like on this truck, it's really solid. And with these old tin grills, it's really hard to find them without a lot of rot. Um, unless you're willing to pay a lot of coin. Even the Mr. Norm truck I have has a little bit of rod on it. But um, this is a good project, I think. Uh, I would like it a little bit closer to six grand, but that's a little bit unrealistic. I do see one dent on the um, fender on the rear, but that's no big deal at all. I don't see mismatched wheels or anything like that, or even mismatched tires. Uh, I'm looking at the rocker panel on the driver's side right now. Zero rot. Everything I can see about this thing is telling me that it's a really good little Red Express project, if that's what you're looking for. Um, again, I'm back here on the tailgate area, and it just looks really solid. Uh, I'm really impressed. Um, now, is it worth $9,200? Ah, gosh, I guess it depends on how bad you want a little Red. For that price, I would hope that it would still have the stacks, the bucket seats, you know, little details like that. But you know, you could probably hunt down those parts. It would be a little bit difficult, but you could probably get them. Um, you know, this was the uncle's truck. So the guy might be willing to wheel and deal a little bit. You go there with six or $7,000. He may sell it to you. It is missing the title. I don't know what obtaining a title is like in Michigan, but assuming it's a little bit of a challenge, you could probably even work that into the negotiations. But if you're looking for a little Red Express project, this one is not bad, especially if you can get it for a cheaper price. All right, the last under $10,000 project that I managed to find brings us back into the muscle car segment with a 1968 Coronet. Let's check out the ad. 1968 Dodge Coronet, $4,900, Springfield, Missouri. 1968 Dodge Coronet, 440. 318 V8 not running, automatic, does have rust, clear title, $4,900. All right, the first thing I can tell you about this thing is that it is triple green. It has mismatched wheels and tires. It has a ton of rust. It has an incorrect bumblebee stripe. It was triple green and the vinyl top is completely trashed. Um, plenty of rust on this thing, rear bumpers dented. Uh, this thing is definitely one of those cars <laughs> that you look at like, oh, that thing's a piece of... <laughs> but um, the quarters rotted out on it. Looks like the rockers. <laughs> this thing needs all the metal. <laughs> but um, what I like about it, uh, it's missing the trunk lock. Uh, back window's gone. What I do like about this thing is that it does have the perfect ratty look. You know, with a 318, if you got another small block laying around, throw a small block in it. Or if you got a big block laying around, throw a big block in it, get it running, and you've got yourself a really ratty coronet. It's got a bench seat in it. It looks like the split bench. 
um, column shift automatic car. The floor's got some holes in it. This thing, <laughs> back seat, is pretty much toast. Door panel's toast. It does retain the side trim that goes along the body line there. Um, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Front bumper's trashed. Grill looks okay. Hood looks uh, okay. Um, it doesn't look like the hood is bolted on. It's sitting in there kind of jacked up. But um, it, it's, it's definitely one of those cars that you have to look at and go, okay, I understand that it's a ratty piece of sh <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just a, a beater. You know what I mean? This is definitely roadkill worthy. Um, front driver's side fender's gone. <laughs> this thing is, yeah, this thing needs a lot of metal work. If that's your plan, if your plan is to just have a running and driving ratty muscle car, this might be the one to get. <laughs> Throw some old school mags on it and uh, get it going. Maybe patch up the floor a little bit with some sheet metal or something and just have yourself a ratty piece of junk <laughs> to drive around and enjoy and beat the piss out of. That's what this car says to me. Um, it, I don't know why, but these green ratty cars really speak to me. I know a lot of people hate green. And I understand I'm a fan, especially these triple green cars. I don't know why. I think it's just because they're so hated um, by so many people. But this one definitely has potential. Like I said, if you just want a ratty rust bucket that runs and drives and that you can beat the hell out of, this would be perfect for that. $4,900, I think, is a little bit of a stretch. I'd like to see that price come down a little bit. But we are talking about a B-body Mopar here. B body Mopars are not going to get any cheaper. So if that's if you're sitting here complaining about five thousand dollar Mopars that need a bunch of metal work, then I think you need to get a new hobby or something because uh, you're not going to find much. And if you do, hey, more power to you. Uh, I'm not seeing those types of deals. So when I look at Mopar projects, I'm looking at anything under ten grand. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that's like my my threshold. Um, especially for stuff that isn't as sought after, like the next car we're going to talk about, which is a 70 Charger RT 440 car. Um, that's pretty ratty. But um, back to this Coronet, um, it definitely has the potential to be a ratty muscle car. It's not a car that I would buy to invest in a full rotisserie restoration, you know, um, like that Roadrunner from earlier. It's just something that you just piece together and get on the road and just have a good time. You know, I would love to get this thing on the road and just <laughs> see the looks on people's faces, you know, as you're driving down the road, pieces of the vinyl top are just flying off. Um, but you know, these cars to me, you can drive them anywhere, park them anywhere and not worry. <laughs> you know, if somebody steals it, I mean, that thief better have no shame. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but um, this is right up my alley. I like it a lot. Um, throw a back window in it. <laughs> That's probably about all I would do. Um, obviously, get a trunk lock so you can close the trunk and have it locked. But um, yeah, I would throw it on some old school slotted mags, jack up the rear end, and call it a day. <laughs> so that does it for the less than $10,000 projects. Now we're going to jump into a car that is a lot more expensive, but it could be argued that this one is worth restoring. 
All right, we've come to the last car. This is a 1970 Dodge Charger RT 440 automatic for $43,000 in Guthrie, Oklahoma. It's a 1970 Dodge Charger RT. It is a legit RT. It is allegedly an original motor trans rear end car, numbers matching front to back, including the casting and VIN on the block, the trans, the radiator support. The door tag is 12 of 69. It's got a good title. The fender tag and build sheet are found. It is an original Oklahoma car in great condition for any Dodge Charger enthusiast is what the ad says. The previous owner bought the car 20 years ago with approximately 75,000 miles and then had the 440 rebuilt. So the engine has been rebuilt. It looks like after the rebuild, there was some health problems with the previous owner and now it runs, it drives, but unfortunately it loses some oil pressure after driving. Um, it's got some original parts on it, like the Carter carb, the intake, the exhaust manifolds. It's even got the original alternator, um, the original air cleaner valve covers, and um, a lot of original interior. Um, the guy does say he's going to include some small parts with the car. You're probably wondering why I'm not just reading the ad word for word. It's a long ad, so I'm just trying to condense it all because we've been talking about these projects for about a half an hour now. <laughs> um, it comes with some extra parts. It's got a new dash pad in the box. All glass is said to be good, and it looks like it's all original paint except for the engine compartment was painted when the motor was out for the rebuild. The trunk pan does have some rust, and you can see right through the trunk through the quarter out into the outside world. So it is definitely going to need some metal work. I'm looking at the driver's side right now. It doesn't look too bad. You know, it's not completely rotted. Um, but I mean, for $43,000, it's, it's, it's debatable whether or not this one is actually worth that kind of money. Um, I would say it's right in the ballpark just because, you know, it's a 70 Charger RT numbers matching car. You know what I mean? Um, obviously, you got to take care of uh, the loss of oil pressure problem, but hopefully that's not a big issue. Um, the front and rear floors, including the frame rails, the body and shock cross supports are said to be solid. It does have a power steering leak and no coolant recovery tank, no windshield washer tank. Um, the aftermarket oil and temp gauge work. Um, it does have some aftermarket gauges. The factory gauges may or may not work is what the ad says. It is uh, posted for $43,000 and the guy doesn't want any trades. And looking at the car, I mean, for $43,000, oh, gosh, I would say it's, it's worth it. I would definitely say this is one to potentially restore. Like I said, the car's pretty solid. The rockers are solid. It's just that passenger side quarter panel that's a little bit jacked up um, at the rear part of the wheel well there. Um, the engine compartment looks pretty clean. Doesn't look like a complete mess of wire or anything. <laughs> he does have a bungee cord holding the battery in place. Uh, the engine bay has been painted. Um, it looks like it's got a uh, couple little performance parts um aftermarket valve covers it does have the go wing in the back and the rear window does not look 
to be too rotted. I do see rust, but I can't tell if it's rusted through or if it's just surface rust. Um, trunk is gone. You're going to have to replace the trunk. The seats are there, but they're jacked up. Door panels are there. They're jacked up. Dash is there. It's jacked up. It's got the center console. Um, I would probably replace the floors. Uh, I don't see any rot through, but I see some heavy, heavy surface rust. Um, bucket seat car. Uh, like I said, with the console, um, it's got the rally wheels on it. It has potential and I'm actually looking at the driver's side floor right now and it does look like it has some rod in it. So I, I mean, I would plan for some metal work on this thing, looking around the rear window again, it may need some love there. I was thinking it was surface rust, but looking a little bit closer, you're probably gonna have to pop that trim out and you'll probably find a little bit of metal work that you need to do there. Um, vinyl tops gone on the roof. So you're gonna have to fix that. Uh, other than that, I mean, the back seat looks pretty good for what it is. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of people look at this thing for $43,000 and say, Oh, it's not worth it. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, fu it's funny on the latest episode of roadkill garage, where they're taking the general mayhem and getting rid of all the Hellcat stuff and putting in the 440 um, that was originally in it. Uh, Freiberger actually name dropped Johnny Mopar, um, shouted him out for selling him or trading him the general mayhem charger for a set of cylinder heads. So it was cool to hear Johnny Mopar's name um, dropped on roadkill. But here's the thing that they also said that they feel, at least Freiberger says this, he feels like, the general mayhem has impacted the market for these chargers. So when I heard that, I thought, well, we can thank Johnny Mopar for that. So if you're mad at about a $43,000 numbers matching 70 Dodge Charger RT 440 car that needs a restoration, you can blame Johnny Mopar because if he had not traded the charger for the cylinder heads, general mayhem wouldn't exist and thereby changing <laughs> the popularity of the car. I don't necessarily believe that. I think this was destined to happen sooner or later because many people believe that the Charger is one of the most beautiful cars ever designed. I'm one of those people. I think it's an absolutely gorgeous car. I think the styling is timeless and I think it will always be one of the most popular muscle cars of all time. And I don't see them getting any cheaper. You know, I hear stories about them being found for, you know, five to less than 20 grand, you know? So I, I hear a lot of stories about low teens, um, anywhere between 10 and 15,000 for a good car. I don't see that too often on Craigslist. I'm constantly seeing $30,000, you know, plain Jane chargers. Um, so when you think about that, you know, a 70 Dodge charger RT numbers matching car for 43 grand doesn't seem too far fetched especially if you have the means to have it restored as well. Um, it's definitely an investment car, something you want to keep around for a long time if you ever want to see your money back out of it. Um, but looking at the car, you know, it's pretty freaking solid, man. You know, for what it is. Um, I'm not too disappointed in what I see. Now, 43 grand is a lot of money though. But it is, uh, it is EK2, so that's cool. Um, black interior. It... it it has a lot of potential and I do think it's worth restoring. Um, that being said, is it worth $43,000? That could be debatable, but 
you know, if it was a six pack car, four speed, yeah, $43,000, that would probably be a deal. Um, I'm actually not too mad at this price, really, folks. Um, I may be crazy. <laughs> um, in fact, some say that is the case. So, you know, this is also coming from a guy who can't afford the car in the first place, let alone restore it. So, you know, take my word with a grain of salt. <laughs> but um, I think if you have $43,000 and you're looking for a charger that's numbers matching and worth restoring, this may be the one for you. And that ends it for Project Cars of the Week. All right, this is literally going to be the shortest high-performance part of all time because I haven't even seen the movie yet. I saw a glimpse of the car. So I was watching the trailer for this new horror movie called The Devil Below, and in the background, there's a second-gen charger. It looks orange, and I believe it has some American racing torque thrusts on it. I saw a brief glimpse of it, and I thought, I'm going to talk about that on the next episode of the podcast, but... I haven't watched the movie yet, and I had planned to. I just haven't gotten around to it. So maybe I'll get some more information. But from what I understand and from the looks of it, it's just a background car. So I'll find out more, and I'll let you guys know if it has any significance in the movie. But it looked cool. It's always cool to see any Mopar in a movie. So that was high-performance parts. The second-gen Charger on what I believe to be American Racing Torque Thrust Wheels in the trailer for the devil below i believe this is the first time i've ever used a car that i saw in a trailer for high performance parts but um i'm gonna watch that movie hopefully it doesn't suck too bad <laughs> and uh see what that charger is all about so i will get back to you on that and that was high performance parts all right we're running out of time really quick here so I have a bunch of messages from one listener who is in my home state of Washington. I will probably get to those messages because it's like a long string of them. It's like 20 minutes worth of messages, which is cool and that's fine. But this podcast is running a little bit long right now. So I'm going to go ahead and wait to play those ones. I am going to play one message that I got from my buddy Steven. So let's hear what Steven has to say on his message. Hey, Chris, this is Stephen Gagney. Um, this is your F-buddy and early Hemi guy. <laughs> um, not much of a guru on either one. I do have a little bit of knowledge here and there. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy your podcasts, and I do intend to try to share them with other Mopar sites. I belong to um, a vast majority of them, and that in rat rod and street rods and such. Um, you know, there is a, a thing I think you should try to do uh, eventually is that to um, see who has what, okay, and uh, have just a, a podcast of things that, you know, uh, Mopar parts that you can offer, that people have to offer, or something to that nature. I know there are plenty of other ones there, but, uh, you know, uh, this could be also a way of... Uh, you know, people supporting you, uh, however, you know, so, uh, but yeah, um, I'd love to be on your program, uh, and discuss early Hemi stuff and such. Um, you know, there are so many varieties of the early Hemis, you know, Dodge, DeSoto, and Chrysler, uh, the one with the least amount of cubic inch variations is the Chrysler. 
and the one with the most Kubikage variations is the DeSoto. So, um, you know, so yeah, um, sometime here really soon, just along, just not on a Saturday night at nine o'clock, that's when I do my, uh, my radio show or, uh, my program, uh, for my ministry. And, uh, so, but, uh, I would love some time to talk to you on the phone. So, um, and, uh, so that I can give you my phone number. Uh, well, if you, I just give it to you here, I suppose that's, uh, call me most any time. Uh, you know, I work from, uh, usually about two in the afternoon to uh, about one or two in the morning. So, uh, you know, you being all over there on the West Coast, you know, that shouldn't be a difficult thing for you. And, uh, so, all right. Uh, and I even give you permission to record it. Okay. All right. God bless you. You have a great day. And, uh, you know, I should say, just have a great, great Mopar day, and Hemi's uh, will survive. All right. Hey, Stephen, thanks for sending in your message. One thing I want to tell you and everybody listening to this show is that Talking Mopars is an open forum for Mopar enthusiasts. So if you want to come on the show, you want to talk Mopars with me, feel free to reach out to me. I do like the idea of having people come on talking about parts they have for sale, etc., etc. I think that would be good to do live. So if I'm doing a live stream podcast and anybody in the audience has a part they want to sell and they want to try showing the part and talking about the part or car um, live on the podcast. I think that would be great because uh, visual is always a good thing because I think a lot gets lost in translation with some of these ads. So it may actually be a really cool idea to have people come on just to say, hey, I got this car for sale, blah, blah, blah. Here it is. Here's a little bit of the history um, or even with parts too. That'd be pretty cool. I like that idea, Stephen. I'm going to try to see if I can implement that somehow. So um, as far as you coming on the show, yeah, man, anytime. Just give me a call um, or I'll reach out to you and we'll work out a time uh, when we can get you on and just talk Mopars. All right, buddy. I do want to know if I scared you a little bit when you left the message, if you thought I was going to leave your phone number in here for all the for all the Talking Mopars audience to know. I would not do that. So if you ever leave me a message and you accidentally say something sensitive like your phone number, I won't put that out there unless <laughs> you tell me to. Um, I was thinking about that when I was uh, listening to your message, I was like, ah, I'm going to go ahead and edit out his phone number. So I'm wondering if you were sitting there like, oh my God, is he going to play my phone number on the show? Uh, it's pretty funny, but, um, thanks again, Stephen, for sending in your message. And, uh, yeah, love to have you on the show, buddy. That was our listener voice message for this week. If you want to hear your message on the show, if you have comments, questions, concerns, complaints, or anything else on your Mopar Addicted Mind, you can reach me at chris at talkingmopars.com. That's my email. Or by leaving a voice message that I will play on the show by calling 209-28-MOPAR. And that was our listener message for the day. All right, folks, we're running a little longer than I planned to today. So really quick, I want to tell you what my plans for my winter Mopar projects are. And that's that the Mr. Norm truck needs to get a Hemi sooner rather than later. So I'm going to start tearing into this Hemi that I got. It's a 5.7 out of a 2012 Ram 1500. I'm going to tear into it, make sure it's good to go, get it ready, and then start accumulating the parts I need to hopefully get the truck Hemi swapped 
over the winter. That's the goal. I don't know if it's going to happen, but it definitely has to happen at some point within the next six months. I also need to get this van going. So my plan for the van is just to get in the interior and get all the rust knocked down and start working on getting that interior straightened out. I also want to buff the outside. That's kind of a project that's been on the back burner for a long time. I want to get the outside looking clean and get everything situated there. I have some really exciting news coming about the van as far as some parts that I got for it. That's going to be pretty cool. I also need to get it running better. I have to address the fuel tank stuff and just get that thing out of the garage so I can get the Mr. Norm truck in for the Hemi stuff. And the van can be in and out of the garage as long as it runs. <laughs> I need to get it running reliably and then uh, I can have fun with that project and pull it in and out of the garage as I need to. So those are my Mopar plans for the winter in a nutshell. Uh, the van needs a lot of work. The Mr. Norm truck, it's pretty much just the Hemi, some suspension stuff, and uh, that thing's pretty much good to go. I love that truck, but uh, it definitely needs a Hemi, so I'm going to be working feverishly over the winter trying to get the funds necessary to get that truck hemified. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a term. Hemified? I don't know. But um, definitely want to get that Hemi swapped. Um, hopefully with some help from my friends over at DIY Hemi and my friends over at Holly. We'll be talking to them to hopefully get the parts together that I need um, to perform the swap and get everything going reliably. And then the van, I'm really excited about that project. I really want to get cracking on this interior because I've got some pretty cool ideas uh, to make it a mobile podcast studio. So that's the plan over the winter. Hopefully I can get my act together, get caught up with all the bonus podcasts for the supporters of Talking Mopars. If you didn't know on Facebook, you can become a supporter of the show. I have like 10 episodes of bonus material that I need to release. So those will be coming soon. And then I got to get back on the live streams. So I'm going to start live streaming again here real quick. And then, you know, as far as the podcast goes, I definitely want to get more podcasts out, not just bonus podcasts for the supporters, but I'm thinking that I'm going to start doing more short episodes relating to the history of Mopars. So instead of doing Project Car of the Week, High Performance Parts and Listener Voice Messages, you might tune into an episode and it might be just about one subject. Um, for instance, uh, I might do an episode on just the 1969 Dodge Charger Daytona or, you know, along those lines. So it'll be single episodes with a single topic and just knock it out, whether it be a 10 minute episode or an hour long. Um, I just want to get more episodes out so I can get back to one of the fundamentals of this podcast and that's Mopar history and Mopar heritage. So I'm looking forward to that. And you can look forward to that too over the winter. I'm really excited about getting some of these videos that I have edited down and getting some good videos up on YouTube and things like that, because I'll be covering both projects when I do the Hemi swap in the truck. And as I build the van, all of it's going to be documented. So it's going to be a really good time. So stay tuned. Really quick before we shut this podcast down, I got to ask you guys a question. Do you guys ever read? Because I 
tend to listen to podcasts and things like that. But one thing that I like to have around my office and my collection of Mopar stuff is literature. And my friends over at CarTech Books just sent me two books that I can't wait to dig into. One is called Muscle Car Special Editions, which covers special edition muscle cars from the golden era of muscle cars. That's going to be a fun book to tear into because although I'm a Mopar guy, I love to learn about other manufacturers as well. So I'm really a student of muscle car history. I love to learn about muscle cars and car history in general. So that's going to be a lot of fun to tear into that book. And then I also got sent a new book called Hemi Under Glass, all about Bob Riggle and his wheel standing Mopars. I can't wait to dig into that book too. I'm going to review them both. CarTech has a huge library of Mopar related books and muscle car related books. So for all your automotive literature needs, head on over to cartechbooks.com. There you have it, my friends. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For everything you need to know about this podcast, please visit TalkingMopars.com. And don't forget that you can send me your Mopar stories, questions, comments, complaints, suggestions, and everything else on your Mopar-addicted mind to Chris at TalkingMopars.com. Or leave me a voice message on my voicemail box at 209-28-MOPAR to hear yourself on the show. And friends, if you enjoy the show and would like to show your support for Talking Mopars, you can grab some Talking Mopars merchandise, like t-shirts, stickers, and other cool gear on the merch shop at TalkingMopars.com. That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.